0: Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome to Region Review. In this episode today, we will recap for you the heartbreaking loss at home to Coastal Carolina. We will look ahead to Friday night's contest with UAB in Birmingham. We will we will do our weekly behind enemy line segment, and we will talk about Cajuns in the pros, especially Kevin Dotson and Justin Hamilton, absolutely dominating. Volleyball drops a game for the first time this year, still having a strong season ranked nationally. Soccer keeps winning. That and so much more on this next episode of region Review.
1: Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to region Review. Made by the fans.
2: For
0: the fans. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Welcome into another edition of Raging Review. We are live in the lab on this beautiful Wednesday morning, two days away from the Cajuns' contest with the UAB Blazers Friday night in Birmingham. But before we dive into that game, and we will with our weekly Behind Enemy Lines segment, we want to discuss, however briefly, because I know that, you know, people are over-talking about it, the loss last Wednesday. It's been a week now since Coastal Carolina came to Lafayette, and, you know, I can't say it any better than they kicked ass and took names.
3: Well, we didn't get to grieve, so we're going to do that today. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. Um you know, right right off the bat, I'm going to give my two cents on what what I think happened Wednesday night. I think plain and simple, we got out coached and we made too many mistakes. You know, y- you can't lose the turnover battle minus 2 and commit twice as many penalties as the other team and still expect to win the ball game. Totally agree. You just you just can't. And then, you know, that that's not a, that's not even bringing in the dropped passes and the bad throws and, you know, all all that aspect of it. I'm talking strictly discipline and decision-making. Like I said, you can't be minus two in the turnover battle, commit twice as many penalties for twice as many yards. Literally, Coastal Carolina had three penalties for 25 yards. Louisiana had six for 50. You can't do that and expect to win the football game. Not against a team like Coastal Carolina. It's not going to happen. I tr- I got on this mic. And I tried to tell you how they were really
3: good, and oh, I never I never disagreed with you. No, no, I'm just saying for the listeners. Anybody who was surprised about this outcome, it's not paying attention. Yep. I I I want you to continue your thoughts, and then I'll interject.
0: You know, I I think that this was this was one of those games where the you know the the case of the the big head. Came to came to fruition. I think that's definitely part of it. Because, I mean, I've I've heard from a lot of people that our players walked into that game Wednesday night with a with a cocky attitude. You know, we're ranked again, blah blah blah, kind of thing. And Coastal Carolina had everything to play for. It didn't look like we had anything to play for. It's their biggest win in school history. Now, now they're ranked for the first time in school history. I mean, quite frankly,
3: it's the biggest school in, in program history, uh, and it happened in Lafayette, Louisiana, which in and of itself is pretty incredible.
0: Right. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to beat the drum too much because, you know, like, like Billy likes to say, especially after a game like this, everything we've set out to accomplish as a program is still in front of us. Yes. We haven't lost any of our goals with this loss. And you know another thing I think is going to be a positive down the stretch that they got a good slice of humble pie. You know? I mean I I think this is going to this is going to be good in the long run. Um I think I think Friday night you're going to see a pissed off group of boys that just want to hit somebody and play some football. And you know I, I don't think UAB is going to be ready for that. But we'll, we'll get into that later. Josh, you know, I'll, I'll give you your your spiel. What what happened was in it?
3: Well, before I get into that, I want to I want to comment about what you just said about all of our goals still being attainable. We we, if you look at our season so far, we've beaten a top twenty team, a legit Big Twelve contender, and we've lost now to a top twenty five team. If everything goes like it should, maybe maybe not necessarily like it should, how it could, we can see Coastal in a championship game again. We can avenge that loss, mm-hmm. and we still got to go out and win games. Being in the top 25 is fantastic. It is not a prerequisite to have a a, um, a year that you can be proud of, a championship year, and a big-time bowl game year. It's not necessary. It probably will come if things continue to go the way we want them to go, but I'm just saying, you know, like I understand everybody wants to be nationally relevant and I don't know if you guys are paying attention but we are nationally relevant. I mean, there UAB if when you know doing show prep, these guys are saying it's the most important game in the history of the the restart of UAB football. Think about that. I mean, if you were in the house on last Wednesday, I mean, th- there was electricity, there was buzz. I mean,
0: I mean think think about this way. We've played 4 games this year. Every single one of them has been nationally televised.
3: Nationally talked about. Nationally critiqued. Billy Napier's on every show you can imagine. And
0: Friday night's going to be no different. That's absolutely right. So I I know a lot of people don't carry the CBS Sports Network, but it's a nationally televised football game.
3: Around halftime, you know, we go down, we score, we we tie it up and everything, and so you're feeling a little bit better going into the second half. So you had time to pause and kind of take it in around halftime. And I just thought to myself how cool is this?
0: Yeah. Oh, the nation
3: nation is watching this game and it matters and it's important. And how cool is this? I mean, in a million years, you have never thought the raging Cajun football program would be in such a great position. So I'm not trying to divert from the fact that we lost the football game, but I am saying being nationally ranked and being nationally recognized, we've achieved that. So that needs to kind of be put to the side, right? We have business to take care of. And, to get more into depth about Wednesday, okay? I don't want to get too specific on plays because, like you said, it's been a week and apologize for the long layoff for us, but other things came up and, uh, and we're here now. But you have to make plays, and I agree with Billy that it's easy to get complacent when you're successful every time out. You know, you would think that you're winning games by two and three points. I mean, you would maybe be a little you bit more into it, but... I think that when people are patting you on the back and things are going well, it is easy to kind of lose focus on that. I think that that's part of it. Um, I think that happened. And I don't think that it's really a, a, a indictment on the team or the focus or anything like that. They're all mature players. We have a lot of veteran guys on the roster. I think it's just human nature. And and I agree with what you said. You know, I think it will be a good thing for later on. But specific to the game Wednesday... It just seemed like we were just a step too slow. We, we were not fully engaged like we have been. Um, and remember, on the preview we talked about, we get all these guys back, but they haven't played in two and three weeks. So right. we don't really know what we're getting. We know we're getting our talented players back, but there's got to be rust involved. At, at what cost, right? Exactly. So I think that played into it. But, you know, people talk about the dropped interception by A.J. That ball was tipped at the line. Okay, so... Yes, he got his hands on it, but that was one of those 50-50 plays where a playmaker needs to maybe step up and make the play, but at the same time, you can't crush the guy for not catching that ball. He's a cornerback for a reason. Right. Same same deal with uh, Jalen on the quarterback raggle, waggle to the left in the fourth quarter that would have sealed the deal, about a 15-yard flick. Levi put it behind him and on his hip, another 50-50 ball. Playmaker, go out there and make a play. At the same time, you can say, Levi, hit your man. He's wide open, hit him in stride. So it's a 50-50 deal. The 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 Regis, I'm sorry, the uh, Mitchell drop again. Defensive end pressures off the corner. Levi rolls right into him. The guy sticks his hands up. I mean, what you want him to do? He flicks it around. It was like a little Brett Favre toss. Eli is a running back. You know, you'd like him to make that catch, but at the same time, there's no way I'm crushing him for not catching that ball. Again, playmaker make make a play, but you can't get out. I mean, you really can't get on him for that. Right. These are difficult plays. On the other hand. We made a ton of mistakes. You mentioned the penalties. You mentioned uh like for example, you can't throw an interception in your own end zone. You can't you cannot take that that chance in that moment. I just I hate that decision. And we don't really kill Levi for his his uh physical play, but I have gotten on him about decision making. Terrible decision to throw the
0: pass. Yeah, for
3: sure. Not only that,
0: the ball was five yards behind the receiver. For sure. In double coverage. Now let me ask you this, because you know, This has kind of been a topic that I've had with people that I've I've talked to about the game, and I want to get your opinion on it. The fifty-one yard run that Levi had, the longest run of his career, sure, was a thing of beauty, top to bottom. Leave, he's I've I've said this his entire career. Levi does not look comfortable in the pocket. On that run, Levi looked comfortable. Yeah. Here he, and you know, like I said, I've heard I've heard differing opinions on this. Why doesn't Levi Lewis run the football more?
3: I think the easy question or the easy answer is they want to protect him at all costs. I don't know. From what I understand, they they trust the depth, but do do you? That's not what I see on the field, right? Do do, do you trust the depth? So I don't know. I, I think that's the easy answer. I, I think the other answer is is. I think Levi wants to be a pocket passer, and I think Billy needs him to be a pocket passer. But sometimes you are what you are. And how many keeps did he have on Wednesday? Six, seven? He had seven Straight keeps? So, number one, that tells me from a game-planning standpoint that Billy knew that Coastal was coming in here with some firepower. And he wanted to keep that offense on the field. And it worked out in that regard with the 51-yard run and then the touchdown run. There were a few times he made plays. Um... I do. I am sympathetic to those that say, where has this been? Where, where, where have the runs been? But I go back to my initial response is that maybe they just really don't trust, trust the depth behind Levi, which, you know, that's a little concerning for a, a multitude of reasons. A little. His backups are starter next year. Yeah. And you know what another thing about the whole quarterback thing is when Dre Nunez was in there, Levi was getting reps. You know where's the reps for the, the guy that's coming next year? I, I mean, yeah, you know. Know, and I do understand the fact that we've been in close ball games all season. So I will say that that's probably a big part of it.
0: We're not, you know, mopping anybody up these days. And and I hated I hated that whole, you know, Levi getting a drive every fourth possession. That was I I, I didn't necessarily love
3: it, but I understood it, and I think it's paying dividends. It did last year for sure, and I think, you know, to a certain degree this year as well, but you got a Levi performance, man. We come in here every week and say it. He does some good things to help you win. He does some things to help you lose. Yep. And it just so happened that this past Wednesday, he helped you lose. I, I hate to say it. Look, it is true. It's true.
0: No, I mean, you're not wrong.
3: He didn't play well. He missed some wide open receivers. Now, our receivers, again, you know, Pete dropped one, like we said. Jalen dropped one. They didn't help him. And there's something to be said also about the wide receiver core being young inexperienced, et cetera, et cetera. Jalen Williams is not a young receiver. I know that Pete's a redshirt sophomore. He might even be a true sophomore, actually. He's a, he's a true he's sophomore. He's a true sophomore. But look at the game experience he's had. At home, you expect him to make plays for you. Okay, so uh, I'm not really buying that. And I thought Errol Rodgers was underutilized on Wednesday. And, and
0: then the thing with, with Jalen Williams is – Yes, he's, he's, not, he's an experienced receiver. He is a senior. But he's only been with the UL program. This is his third season. Right. Two of them he really didn't play. That's
3: true. But when you're in the system, you learn the playbook. Right. You learn your responsibilities. Right. And a lot of what they ask him to do is block. Yeah. So it's not a ton of route trees that they're learning and all this stuff. It's not right, a very right. complex passing game. The scheme is not necessarily basic, but the, the route trees that these guys run, they're not asking them to have five different options in their head when they snap the ball. Right. So I don't know. but And then to your point about the coaching and being outcoached, I thought in the second half, we are a second-half team, and the coaching typically makes excellent Adjustment. adjustments in the second half. I, I thought I that have. the concepts were good offensively. Defensively, you got to remember, no Farad Gardner. We found that out on Thursday. Or, I'm sorry, on Tuesday.
0: Yep.
3: Farad is the fastest outside, well, inside-outside linebacker. He's a hybrid. He's the fastest linebacker we have. McCaskill went down for a quarter and a half. The guys that you saw, and look, Coastal got their, their yards on the outside, bouncing the ball out, the right. swing passes, the leaks. Andre gets beat regularly on the outside, always has. Chris Moncrief,
0: love him. Well, I Fast mean, and athletic. I, I, he gets beat on the outside because he looks in the backfield. Well, I am I'm a I'm just gonna say this in, in Andre's defense. You know, when when you have a outside linebacker D end hybrid, because I mean that's what he is. Yeah, I'll share versus versus a running back. The running back wins every
3: time. Wins every time, but he was so out of position and wasn't even close. Oh I mean yeah. he was so wide open. That the little running back number one, Marable. Marrable. Holy shit. Every I've been saying league, it
0: for years, dude. Every, Marable's the man.
3: Every little league, I mean, every look, third and six, we crash in. He leaks out. It's a fourteen yard gain. It, it nope. was. I even said. I said. When is PT going to figure out that they keep leaking this guy out? I mean, at some point, let's do something. Uh, you know,
0: sneak a zone in re- real quick. Again, I don't know. I, like 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 I said. I think I think this loss in the long run is going to be good for everybody.
3: I think it will be. I, I think it will um, be too.
0: Specific to the coaching though.
3: I thought offensively we we helped the guys out with our concepts. They just didn't make plays. I didn't think Levi was particularly good. No. On money downs. I, I, you cannot throw a pick in your own red zone. Um, and then I, I thought defensively we weren't. No, the defense we, has to be
0: better. I thought th- it was a strange performance. The like, defense has to be better. They looked a step I, slow. Here's, here's, here's my thing. I knew that. I knew Coastal was going to get their yards. I knew Coastal was going to get their points. Sure. I expected that. They're a great offense. Defense has to be better.
3: And, uh, again, Coastal's good. I just it, thought that defensively—I haven't seen that many wide-open receivers yeah. since Billy's first year. I know. So, concerning, you know. I, you know, I, you got to get that fixed, but at the same time, you're going to have plenty of tape to critique. So, that's a good thing going forward.
0: And, and you know, another good thing going forward, and yeah. I had talked about this yesterday on the Underdog Dynasty podcast. We had 236 yards rushing. And we're sitting here saying— Talking about how the rushing game needs to be better.
3: I thought rushing was fine. I that's thought we a, went away good, from it.
0: That's a good problem to have.
3: I thought we went away from it way too easily. Yeah. No, we totally we did. We did. Trey we did. Regis is dragging dudes. I mean, I'm not going to do we the Regus rant, but he's we were, dragging people across five, six, seven, eight yards. Extra. We averaged
0: we averaged eight yards a carry. Oh
3: man. Now we had a couple of big plays, so that's going to help the the average. But you know, Chris Smith got what three carries?
0: Something like that. And then the other thing, and we talked about this in the preview. They dominated at the time of possession. Again. They dominated the time of possession. Nearly doubled it. What was killer was the third and 11, the third and 14, oh, the yeah. third and eight. Could not get off the field. Oh, and then here's another thing that really angers me. <laughs> the fourth down play where Coastal Carolina had two number sixes on the field. Yeah. That resulted in us getting a first down. A gift. How do you not get anything out of that?
3: Try to outsmart. How do you not capitalize? It's trying to be too smart for the moment. I talk about this all the time. It's like Billy is such a good coach. He, he runs such a, a tight ship. Regimen is excellent. These money plays late in games, you're like, dude,
0: just line up and is run it, the it, fucking ball. Is, is, that, is that his coaching inexperience? No. I, I, what, what, what What is that? What as we like to call it off the air i'm a i'm gonna throw it out there big game billy big game bill what what do we what 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 do we I, what's I the word i'm looking for attest that to, i guess i, I, I don't the,
3: i don't know the man personally so i can't i can't attach it to his personality i mean it just seems like it, I, I it's not seeming it's a trend it's it's obvious you know what i mean maybe he runs a setup play earlier in the down and thinks that he's got him where he wants him and then he tricks himself. He yeah. outsmarted himself again, is my my opinion on that. It's the same thing as like, all right, you're third and one. You're third and one in your on your side of the field, and you try to hurry up and then get the first down.
0: Oh, false start. Because you try to you're outsmart these guys. Right.
3: You have a guy like Trey Regis. I mean, for God's sake, you've been giving it to the Levi. Guy,
0: the guy can't get a yard. Two downs. Two downs to get a yard, and he can't get a yard? I just don't understand these trying no. to outsmart right. people. I, I 100% agree with you. That, that's line what, that's up what, and run that, the that's ball. That's what I'm saying.
3: If it's if it's third and one, stick to your gun, run the football. If you trust your quarterback, and you trust the offensive line that you've built, and you trust what they call the best running back room in the country, not called not from Alabama, Right. what do we do? Why are we trying to outsmart people on money downs? Just do what you know how to do. I, I, I will go. I will die on that hill. We do that
0: way too much for my taste. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. All right, I don't know about you, but I'm done talking about this game. Uh, yeah, mostly. Cajuns, Cajuns fall to Coastal Carolina, thirty to twenty-seven. Coastal Carolina approves to four and zero on the year. They are now the number twenty-five team in the country. Louisiana falls to three and one and is out of the top twenty-five. But I will say this in closing: the fact that we are angry that we are three and one—it's pretty cool. It's excellent. And, it's and pretty cool. And,
3: and I said this earlier with you. They played an A++ game. They can't play better than that. I'm telling you. I watched their tape from all the other games. They played better in our game than they played in the other games. We played probably our worst game of the year, and it was a field goal with three seconds really? left. Really? You think that was the worst game of the year? Oh, defensively, it's not even close. Wow. Okay. Oh, dude, absolutely. We have our entire roster, and we can't convert a third and one to win a game? Oh, no, it's terrible. And defensively, I've never seen, I, with with the exception of Billy's first year, that's the most wide-open receivers. It's the most conversions on third and long that we've seen. You realize they went 10 of 16 on third down. Yeah, I know. And a lot of those were long third downs. I know. So, yeah, I think we played our worst game, and I think that they played their best. And we lost by a field goal with three seconds left.
0: Let, let's let's dive into this now. A little bit of news outside, I mean inside the, the program, Kyron Lacy. Has been named to the Pro Football Writers Association Freshman All American list. Uh, no, no, surprise.
3: Same list that Joe was on a few years ago. So we, we're known to do that. Yeah, but uh, no, no surprise. We said it here before the season started. Lacy's the real deal. We thought he could do it.
0: Let's talk. Let's go to Cajuns in the pros now. This this is mind blowing. According to Pro Football Focus, Kevin Dotson is the best guard, best offensive lineman in the league? For a rookie or period? Uh, I'm going to double check that. I think period. That's but I'm,
3: saying something. I'm going to check. I mean, the Steelers are beating people up right now, 5-0 and and really chugging along. Every time you turn on the Twitter app there, it's something about
0: Dotson doing something great in the league. So, According to Pro Football Focus, Kevin Dotson is the highest graded pla- pass-blocking Interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Wow. And he was a third round pick? Fourth round pick. Wow. That's a steal. Fourth round pick. Pay the man. Big nasty. Pay him. Big nasty. How about Juice? Yes. Getting some getting some good playing time for the, the Cowboys. All, well. I mean, although it was an ass whooping. How but he played well. I don't. When I watched,
3: when I like, when we watched the Cowboys and when I would watch the Bears and Peanut played, right. I wasn't watching the Bears. I was watching him. Right. And Juice played well. He held his own. Speaking of Peanut, we need to get him on the podcast soon. I think he'll do it. I think I think he would too. I've gone back and forth with him a few times on Twitter.
0: I think he. I think he would too. Uh, let's see. What else? What else do we need to talk about before we get to our interview? Volleyball. The volleyball program dropped a game on Friday to Texas State. Texas State is good in their own right. Um. I don't know about, I know the first game, that because they, they played two that Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one they dropped in straight sets, 3-0. Whoa. Um, and then I'm not too sure what happened the rest of the day. Wow. They lost all of their games on Friday. Straight sets, They straight lost. Set? So Friday, they played Texas State twice Friday and then once Saturday. Uh-huh. Friday morning they lost 3-0. Friday night, they lost 3-2. Saturday morning, they lost 3-0. Whoa. So they are now at 11-3. and That's
3: a hell of a weekend for Texas State.
0: I would imagine that that would drop them out of the top 25. Man. Unexpected. Uh, their next match is Friday at Earl K. Long. Um, similar situation as this past week. Uh, Arkansas State's going to be here. They play Friday at 11, Friday at 6, and Saturday at 1. Keep supporting so. them.
3: They're still a good team, and uh, you know they need your support now more than ever. Similar to the situation to football, you know. I, I the last thing I want to see is our fans, and I'll say this about our fans: you get on the boards and it's oh god, we're going to go seven and four. There's no way we're going to win a nation, a uh, excuse me, a conference championship, guys. There's no way that you, <laughs> the CDS is real. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, come on. the, the performance was bad, and we still could have won the game. You know what I mean? You're playing a you're playing a ranked opponent, now ranked, but same thing for volleyball. Like Texas yep. State, I think they were nine and one going in. So it wasn't. No oh, wow,
0: close game. Okay. Yeah. So no, they weren't they weren't some bum team. Right, right. Talk about soccer for a second. You know, Sunday they went up to Monroe and handled the Warhawks two nil. Uh they're now eight and three on the year. I don't think they've given up a goal in like a month. Six game winning streak. Yeah. Their final game before the conference tournament is tomorrow night here at the Track Soccer Complex Nice against Arkansas Little Rock at 7 p.m. Are they any good? I don't know. I don't either. I'll I'll be totally honest with you. I don't know.
3: I think the girls are looking forward to conference tournament. Go out and get us a
0: a title. God, 8-3, that's got to put you, you know, top four. Yeah, we should do some research on that. I would would imagine. um, Sunbelt's got some pretty decent teams in it is there After I started following the girls is there anything else pertinent in sunbelt news that we need to we need to discuss before we move on to uh our behind enemy line segment
3: speaking of texas state their football team um who should be really 3 and 1 rather than 1 and 3 well excuse me 2 and 2 at least they gave two games away that they should have won uh they got they got trounced by south this past week which was a, su- a surprise to me because I don't think South's very good at all. But, hey, I'm ready for that Spavadol
0: game. On Halloween? Yeah, yeah, that'll be a fun one. Yes, sir. Looking at the soccer standings currently, Louisiana is second in the Western Division.
3: So, yeah, somewhere around top four.
0: It, yeah, that would be a top four spot. Good. They're 4-2 and two in the conference, 8-3 and three overall. Arkansas State leads the West with a 6-0-1 conference record. Where's Little Rump? Uh, Little Rock is second to last in the West. All They're, right, so
3: hopefully we can take out our business. They are, two,
0: they are two five and one on the year. Okay. Um conference leader in the east is South Alabama, as usual. That's nothing new. Right. Uh, six and two in the conference, six and three overall. Cadence already have a win over South, so correct. Um, shockingly though, only one game left in the season. No team has clinched a berth into the conference tournament yet. Have they have they changed the format or something because of the season? With COVID and whatnot? Maybe. But there's supposed to be an asterisk for every team that's in, already, like, qualified for the tournament. Gotcha. None. Interesting. Nowhere. So interesting we'll follow to, up on that for you guys. And, you know, we, we, we talk about how ULM just can't contend. Even in women's soccer. With the loss the other day in Monroe, the Warhawks are now 0-7 on the year.
3: Big old goose egg,
0: huh? 0-7 on the year. So Oh well, yikes. All right guys, we will take a break and when we come back, we will be joined by the Dragon's Den podcast from UAB. They will they will sit down with us to do our behind enemy line segment and preview Friday night's contest with UAB. We will do that and more right here on Rage and Review. Face stall.
1: Shilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 and Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Acadiana business owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing a combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solution Specialist, Anna Bourgeois.
2: Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solution Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry, in other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about.
1: Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at security dot com. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Winwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health. Offering vaccines and physicals, on-site X-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at priorityaccessurgentcare.com.
0: Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez, welcome back to Region Review. Josh jagno sits across from me, man about town as always. And we are joined now by Will Harris of the Dragon's Den podcast from Birmingham, Alabama. Will, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, how, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. You know, we're 48 hours away from the contest between our Louisiana Raging Cajuns and your UAB Blazers you know the the first thing that I kind of want to talk about is you know I was I was doing some research on the podcast and it seems that you know we kind of have a similar you know beginning to to the show so talk kind of talk about the history of your podcast and kind of like how it's grown and you know why you guys kind of wanted to do it
2: yeah um it's you know, it's it's still relatively new. Uh, we've, you know, I I started it about uh, a couple of months ago uh, with uh, with COVID nineteen going on and everything. I I had some free time on my hands, so I uh, started my own podcast. And uh, you know, I you know, growing up a UAB fan, I always wanted to, uh, you know, I, I've always wondered what happened to those to those former players, and you know, kind of a where are they now situation. And um, I, I, you know, I just decided to take it upon, take it upon myself to uh, reach out to uh, a bunch of old former UAB athletes, um, you know, some that you might not recognize, some that went on to the pros, some that have their names hanging in our arenas. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's taken off really well. Um, you know, I've had a lot of good feedback and uh, I've got a lot of loyal listeners and um, it's been a blast so far. I've gotten to learn a lot about a lot of former Blazers that have, um, you know, it made a huge impact at our school. And uh, I've got a few, um, a few former greats that are coming up and even a couple of coaches possibly. So, uh, you know, but it's it's taken off really well and um, I've enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of started this one for a similar reason back in 2018, just wanted to do something different for, for the fan base here at Louisiana, you know, for for those of us that that don't know, because obviously UAB just returned their football program just a few short years ago, you know what what I'm I'm gonna skip around a little bit in in our list of questions. In your opinion, how important was it to get the football program back up and running?
2: Oh, I mean, it was it was tremendously important. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that our uh, fan base was saying is. You know, and, and I know from y'all's perspective, too, y'all got some big programs in that state as well, with, you know, LSU and um, you guys, Louisiana Tech and Tulane and everything. So, you know, it, in the South, it's important to have football. And um, especially in the state of Alabama, we've got Alabama and Auburn. And then you've got smaller programs like us and South Alabama and Troy. Um, you know, so it's you know imperative that we have football. And, um, we you know, we weren't the best for a long time there we you know we started uh at the 1a level or fbs level back in 1996 and uh, we didn't have a a a winning program until you know we had a few winning program or a few winning seasons before 1996 at the lower levels but um we didn't go to a bowl game until until 2004 but um you know you know a lot of people like to you know kind of Say well, it wasn't a successful successful product. So, why does it really need to come back? But you know, it's made a huge impact now that we have it back on more than one aspect. is, you know, outside of athletics, you know, our um, and enrollment at the university has increased every single year since we've gotten the football program back. The general atmosphere around campus is, is better. Um, we're having more and more people at games, and you know it's it, it was it's an awkward thing to talk about because you know some people might say well it was a terrible thing that happened and it and it was, you know, I'm I'm a lifelong Debbie fan, but um there is a silver lining that did come from it because, you know, we do have more dedicated fans that kind of put their money where their mouth is and, you know, now they're supporting the program. We've got um a new football operations facility which is just one of the best in the conference. Um we're building a brand new stadium downtown here in Birmingham, and um, it's, you know, you know. not only did we we, did we really rise from the grave, we're thriving now because um, because of what happened. And um, we got, you know, an even better, you know, growing of our fan base, and um, it was very essential for us to get our program back because we knew that when Coach Clark came here in 2014, we knew that we were in for something special. And um it was really it was really hard to see it go away after he was only here for a year. So, you know, for us to get it back, we knew that we were gonna be growing even more um once we finally came back in twenty seventeen.
3: Hey Will, Josh, man listen, appreciate you taking the time. Uh our programs don't necessarily have a ton of history together, so I don't know uh how versed our fan base is on your program. We've all read the articles and we paid attention, uh, and when I say we, I mean the college football world uh, and fans, paid attention to the UAB saga. But from a fan's point of view that was on the ground, what, what the hell happened?
2: Well, so uh, <laughs> from as much as I know, um, you know, and, and, and if, if, if you ever get the chance, if any of your listeners ever get the chance to listen to uh, an episode and learn a little bit more about the saga, about what happened, um, the, my episode with uh, Lee Dufour, one of our former centers who just graduated last year, he left in 2014. Uh, he came to UAB in 2014, played 2014, program shut down. He came back in 2017 and then, uh, you know, graduated last year. And um, But he, he goes into extreme detail about what happened. But he, basically it came down to, there was a report, a car report, um, that uh, said that the program was not financially stable um it wasn't making money um you know and uh there was some other things that uh, i don't know if i can really go into about like you know you know miscounts on attendance and all that kind of stuff so you know there were some questionable things and there was there really wasn't a lot of answers and you know the day that the program shut down um You know, in in 2014, we were five and six going into our last game against Southern Miss. And Lee mentions that going into the game, they were on their way down to Hattiesburg, and all they really knew was that they had heard rumors that the program was going to shut down, but there was nothing really concrete. And then, um, of course, you know, the following week after we beat Southern Miss and got six and six, um, our first bowl eligible year since 2004. 2004, um, you know, they announced the program was shut down and, you know, of course everybody saw the videos, everybody saw the, you know, like you said, the reports and everybody saw the players telling their side of the story and everything. But, you know, we were kind of left in the dark. Nobody really knew the answers. Everybody just knew they were saying it was a financial reason. Um, But, you know, of course, after the program was shut down, I think ESPN did a report on College Bean Day. And there were some backers for the program, like uh, um, boosters and everything, that were saying that they were really never given a great opportunity to, um, you know, to to donate more. Like whenever they were like whenever they offered the chance to donate, there was some things there were some things going on that they were saying that you know, it you know, there wasn't an opportunity at the time. So it was just a lot of questionable things going on. And from a fan's perspective, it was just felt like you know we were. You know, we were kicked to the curb, but um, you know, it. You know, from that time span, it happened on December second of twenty fourteen. We get the program back um, in May or June of twenty fifteen, so six months later. And um, you know, of course, you know, it's just a rebuilding process from there. But you know, um, you know, like 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 I said, it was a lot of questionable things kind of left out in the dark. We really didn't have a lot of answers, but it was definitely confusing. <laughs>
3: That's really at the heart of my question is that, you know, it was like overnight, you know, and I know UAB is not a, a blue blood power five money generator, but at the same time there was a significant amount of attention paid to UAB down in the South. I mean, it wasn't like some, some FCS program that couldn't stay afloat. Like for example, we have a team in our league that can't draw flies to their games. They, they raise no money. Uh, and, and there's very, very little interest and they somehow stay afloat. So the fact that UAB, UAB just overnight shut the doors on the football program, I mean, it was so bizarre. I remember thinking that's got to be political in nature. It has to be.
2: It, it, and it kind of, I believe it was. Um, and I'm trying, trying to be as fair and honest as I can with, uh, you know, with respect to our athletics program and our university. But um, there were some, some aspects of it that felt like it was political. Um, and uh, our, our board of trustees was, Um, one of the biggest uh, hot spots with this and uh, our president as well, but um, the board of trustees for a while now um, they've gotten better, but uh, at the time uh, they had, uh, you know, there was, they had shut down the idea of an on-campus stadium um, a few years before our program shut down. They, um, you know, there really wasn't any great opportunities for, you know, (laughs) for our program to really grow we were kind of we kind of had hit our our ceiling and um you know there was really you know the growth was was not was not was was stable and we had hired neil callaway back in 2007 um and he didn't really do much for the program and then garrett mcgee comes in in 2012 i believe and um there really wasn't any revamping of the program. It just kind of felt like we were just doing enough to get by. And um, all that led to, you know, a general air that the program wasn't worth, you know, sustaining. And, um, but for the fans, you know, you know, we're, you know, we're the diehards. We go out there every Saturday, every Thursday, whatever game day it is, we're out there, but um, it did feel political in nature. Um, and there, there was, I'm, I'm I'm not going to doubt about, there's no doubt about it. And there was, you know, financial reasons behind it. But um, ultimately, now you see that, like I said, people are putting their money where their mouth is. People have the opportunity to fund the program. People have opportunities to help in the growth. And we've seen tremendous growth since it's come back. So I don't feel that there was absolutely no help. I mean, I feel help was there, but were the opportunities to help um, there I don't
0: I don't believe so. Yeah, you know, from, from from our vantage point here in Lafayette, like you said, it definitely seems politically involved. But, you know, we'll we'll move away from that for a little while. You know, Will Saturday UAB got the win over Western Kentucky at home, brought them to twenty two consecutive wins in Birmingham. Twenty one. Twenty one. Okay, I thought I thought I thought it was twenty one going into that game.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it, uh, it was tw- it was twenty one, um, but yeah, like they, they keep saying that we're hoping for twenty two, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we
0: we we will have to see about that. But anyways, <laughs> you know, 20, 21 straight games at home is is insanely impressive. You know, that's three almost four years since you've lost at home since the reboot undefeated yeah. at home. What you know, talk about. I mean, I guess my question is, how? H- how, did, how were you guys able to consistently find success in your backyard in Birmingham?
2: Well, you know, um, in 2014, um, we, you know, we, we did have a good home field presence, um, and it couldn't have started off any better than for Bill Clark. We, we played in-state rival Troy, who you all know very well. Um, and, uh, we beat them 48 to 10 and, uh, that kind of kick-started our, you know, our, you know, our belief in the program. Like, again, you know, cause we'd had such, you know, a long time without, um, sustained success. Um, but Clark comes in game one and beats down our rival. So it was great. Um, and we even had close opportunities, uh, later that year, you know, we almost beat a ranked Marshall team in our final home game right before we went on to play seven missed. Um, so we had a growing fan, you know, and and one thing that we like to talk about here in Birmingham is, you know, we're going to have the dedicated fans here in Birmingham. We have our dedicated UAB fans, but we also have a general walk-up crowd, um, which is the Alabama and the Auburn fans that, you know, win the Atlanta, when the Alabama game is playing later in the day, or the Auburn game hasn't played yet, um, or they're off, or whatever. You know, we get the general walk-up fans, and you know the general casual fan here in Birmingham roots for UAB. Um, just you know, not they're not die fans, but um, we saw growth in that 2014 season of the casual fan coming, and then of course in 2017, our first game back, we have over 45,000 people um, at our game, uh, our first game back against Alabama. So it was it was great to see that. Um, and we have developed a really great home field advantage. Now, if, if the game is on uh, TV Thursday night, some of your fans, your listeners, might look at it and say, "There's nobody at the game." But we play in Legion Field, which has been around for uh, decades and decades and decades, um, and it is not a great facility. It's probably one of the worst in college football. And, but it's it's a tavern. Like it's a tavern. It's, it's 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 huge. It's Seventy thousand, you know, people, but. Um, like I said, the most that we've ever had at a at a game is forty five thousand. So, um, but despite the stadium being so big, our fans have been you know more raucous and they've been you know more involved in the games. So and we've had a few more traditions that we've started uh, since twenty seventeen since the return. Um, and it's kind of developed more of a, a fun game day atmosphere that you actually look forward to. Instead of a you know oh I'm just going to the game you go to cheer for the game you go to cheer for the team now um, and uh, it's been fun and um, one of the uh, highlighted games that we've always looked back on as something that's been a really special moment um, in this 21 home game winning streak was our game against Louisiana Tech back in 2017. Um, we have our annual Children's Harbor game where we wear a, a uniform with a a, 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 a sick child or a child that was a member of the um, children's harbor program here in Birmingham. Um, and the players will wear their name on the back of their jerseys. So it was already a special night. And on top of that, we blocked the game, uh, Louisiana Tech's game winning uh, field goal opportunity, uh, you know, as time expires and we won the game and that just kind of, you know, springboarded our program even more. Um, and that kind of, added even more belief in the program that this was a special product. And um, it's been really – it's been great to see the program. Um, It's been great to see the fan base grow. And uh, it's been a a very fun home field advantage.
0: You know, I'll say this. Anytime you guys beat Louisiana Tech, I will not be mad about it. (laughs) Absolutely. I will not be mad about it. That that they're (laughs) – you know, we, we, we poke fun about hating LSU and ULM and all the all the in-state schools, and to a degree we do, but I don't think that there's a school we hate more in this state than Louisiana Tech.
3: <laughs> well, it's because the delusion, dude. The delusion is real with these people. They think that they are like, you know, LSU on steroids. They think they are something. And anytime UAB or anybody, I mean, hell, Western, anybody in Coosa can beat them, I'm a happy <laughs> camper.
2: Yeah, we've had a uh, general um, disliking for Louisiana Tech, um, especially another hot spot for, for our rivalry against them was back in 2015 in the Conference USA Basketball Tournament here in Birmingham. Uh, a group of their students came to the game and started uh, chanting, we have football, we have football. And that was, of course, you know, we, we hadn't got the program back. So that lit a fire under our fans. And, uh, we we have we've had a general uh, I'll keep it mild we ha- we've had a general disliking of them ever since then, and uh, it's been a fun fun rivalry, and uh, they haven't beaten us since their return, so it's been even better.
0: Well, you know they they did lose their athletic director, their athletic director became the janitor at Vanderbilt, so I mean you know you, you could always that, that's just another thing to to throw at Tech fans. <laughs> I'll
3: send you some ideas when you guys play. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs>
0: You know, you talked about Bill Clark earlier, and you know, there there's no doubting that he's one of the best G five coaches in all of college football. What what does he meant to the program? Cause, you know, I, I learned something new when you were talking earlier. I didn't realize he was with the university before the shutdown. And then yeah. he was he was back when the program returned in 2017. You know, so I have a two-part question. What does he meant to the school? And then how was he able to build such a successful program, so quickly.
2: Well, yeah, he's 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 meant a lot, and and that's kind of an understatement. <laughs> um, Coach Clark, uh, you know, like I said, we hadn't had a, pro, a winning season or at least a five hundred record since two thousand four, and um, when he came in twenty fourteen, you know, I'll be the first to admit it, I was a, I was a skeptic, but uh, primarily because he was only a few years out of coaching high school here in Alabama, he had coached uh, at South Alabama for a couple years and then he coached at Jacksonville State for a year um, and then he came to UAB so you know I I was you know I didn't really know how to feel about it just because we had had such a long time without you know success on the field so but he came in and he made a big impact going 6-6 and that year Um, like I said with blowout wins over, over our rivals Troy and Southern Miss and um, we had a really good performance against Marshall and, uh, and Mississippi State, um, and I don't remember, know if you guys remember, but back in 2014, Mississippi State uh, ended up being number one that year, and we, we only lost to them by 13, so um, we hung with them, and we played really well, and um, you know, we felt good going forward in 2014 because he had come in and made such a big impact already. Um, We felt good going forward, and then, of course, the program shut down, but um i think it really spoke to his character that he stuck with the program uh even after the shutdown but he did get uh he did get offers to you know coordinator um jobs and he also got a head coaching a couple of head coaching offers i believe at other schools but um he stuck with UAB and um you know you know fast forward 6 months we get the program back and he had a few years to build and i think that's one thing that a lot of people um get confused about they're wondering how 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 were we we so successful that first year back but uh, you know we had two years to build and we had two years to gel a team we had uh, you know it's it's a pretty great recruiting pitch when you can tell a guy hey you can come to UAB get your schooling out of the way for two years and then when you come back when we come back in 2017 you haven't lost a year of eligibility and that was the case you know you had guys transferring from other schools and if they transferred as a freshman to UAB in 2015 in 2017 that next year they would still be uh, a freshman or a sophomore whatever you know their next year of eligibility was but they didn't lose any eligibility for two years which was great. So you know we went out and got a lot of talented juco players um, and we had a lot of good talented underclassmen as well but uh, in 2017 we were kind of getting back up to game speed we you know we um, went seven and five, I believe that first year, um, if if not, if, I might be mistaken, I'm not being mistaken. We've might have gone eight before, but regardless, um, you know we we you know we come back and we get we're bowl eligible year one, which was what nobody expected. I remember seeing programs um, like you know the college football Magazine before the year started, and everybody was forgetting us to finish last, and rightfully so. Nobody had seen our product, um, but. You know, I knew that we were building some special, that we had some special guys on the roster, but it was even better to see it, you know, come out in 2017. But we, you know, we lost the Bahamas Bowl, but 2018 was our year that we took a step forward. Um, and we had so many seniors from that Juco class and, uh, several players, um, you know, several other players outside of our Juco guys stepped up and, um, you know, took over, including guys like Tyler Johnson, uh, it took over the starting quarterback role for AJ Early late in the 2018 season, um, and last year we were projected to take a step back after losing 35 plus seniors, I believe, um, from the 2018 season. Uh, but you know, of course, we still made the conference championship, and we gave Appalachian State a run for their money in our bowl game. So, you know, Clark has proven that he can win, and he's been very well accepted in the state uh, as an elite coach, even with two SEC West uh, coaches in the state. So, um, you know, it's been great to see the progress and he's every year he's, um, it, it, it's just, it, it, there's no fall off. I, I mean, and, and it seems like every year we've grown, even though we might have, we not, might not have any, as many wins in the, you know, not might not have as many wins in the wind column We are still growing every year and we're, you know, we're figuring things out or learning how to become a successful program
3: interesting th- thing about bill clark that we we learned in our show prep is that you know the behavior that he stuck through all the tumultuous things going on in birmingham we we figured uh, he must have been an alum but he actually is an alum of jackson state so that actually speaks to his character and he obviously had a plan going into all that uh so that says a lot about bill clark to me uh, as an outsider but uh, having said all that will would in 2020 for the Blazers, what is your overall impression, and what do you what do you think the ceiling for UAB is? I mean, you're off to an excellent start. Lucero looked pro- promising. You got big, physical receivers on the outside. You got a hell of a running game. Uh, you know, what do you think about UAB in 2020?
2: You know, we're, we've you know we've you know we started off with kind of a an easy game against Central Arkansas. We we got off to a really hot start. Um, couple of turnovers happen you know we get we extend the lead again and then central arkansas comes back late and it looked like a questionable win like we you know we won that was all that really mattered but um we really didn't know how to feel about who we were after that first game back um and then we got to play miami which you know the measuring stick again is <laughs> very confusing because miami has a good program and um You know, nationally, they they might catch some, you know, catch some flat. But for a a G5 program going against Miami, it's tough. But, um, you know, I felt like we played pretty well against Miami. Uh, Our running game looked um, pretty good. But, um, you know, since the Miami game, we've had UCSA. and we've had Western Kentucky. And uh, I'm not missing anyone, am I? I don't think I am. Let me check. Oh I'm sorry. I uh you know, we, we you know we're we're four and one and, and um I feel like we have steadily grown, especially from the U T S A game uh oh I'm, I'm sorry, South Alabama, that's who it was. Uh, you know, uh right after the Miami, Miami game we played South Alabama and um Tyler Johnson is, you know, not playing against South Alabama and I thought you know, right then and there we needed to let the sheriff just sling the ball. Let him let him take control of this offense and let him you know, if he has a couple of turnovers, that's fine. Let him learn from it, let him grow. And that's what happened. We would blew South Alabama out, out of the water. Um and that was even more fun as a you know, from a rivalry perspective to beat somebody in their own state. And then, you know, we played UCSA. UCSA played us really tough. Um and U C S A looks like they're on the on the rise. So uh, but last week was a was a good you know a good sign for us to beat a Western Kentucky program that beat us last year. But you know you know there's there's some pros and cons to this team. Pros: We're very deep at running back. Um, we're very deep at the secondary position too. Um, our linebacking corps is really good. Um, Lucero is like you said; he's growing. He's he's you know he's taking his lumps, but he's also shown that he can. He's not really rattled. He's um, played very well, I think, um, stepping in for Tyler Johnson. And uh, you know, we have a pretty balanced attack now on offense. Um, defensively, we're still trying to plug up the holes on the on the running game. But um, you know, pass rush has been really well. Our secondaries have played pretty well too. Um, the, my biggest my biggest con with this team has been our penalties. Uh, we we tend to give uh, a lot of we, you know we tend to give our opponents an edge uh, with the penalty factor. Uh, I believe we're one of the worst in the nation when it comes to penalties. But um, you know we play aggressive, and sometimes that that comes off as too aggressive. And uh, we you know we we've kind of cleaned up the personal foul penalties and stuff, but um, it's still the mental mistakes like pass interferences or pre snap penalties and stuff like that. That's what we've got to work on, but. Overall, I, I do like where we're going. Um, I do feel like we're going to be a top team in the West uh, in Conference USA by the end of the year. It's not probably number one, um, but I, I, you know, I do like the where the program's headed so far this year. I, I'm, I'm glad to see some, um, you know, we're, we're, we're growing from last year. It seems like so, you
0: know. You know, well, you, you talked about Bryson Lacerro, and he's had a he's had a good year so far. Uh, obviously, I like him. It was was a little – Yeah, I like him. I think he can play. It was a little unexpected um, because, you know, obviously going into the season, Tyler Johnson was going to be your guy. But, you know, he he went down with an injury. You know, talk about how much, in your opinion, your offense is missing Tyler Johnson. And, uh, you know, from a game plan standpoint, how much does his absence really hinder what you guys planned to do from the get-go?
2: Well, you know, Tyler stepped in and kind of captured the hearts of the U.S. fans by winning the conference championship in the bowl game in 2018, but he had a rough year last year uh, with injuries and and inconsistent play, throwing a lot of interceptions. I I believe he had 17 touchdowns, uh, but 15 interceptions as well, so um, he was, you know, uh, he liked to sling the ball a lot. We we had a really great, um, deep passing game, but... um, our, our short to intermediate passing game was was not very great. Um, it was either run the ball and pound you know pound it on the on the ground, or it was just heave it deep. Um, you know, he like like you said, he started the season, but he had a rough uh, going uh, against Central Arkansas. And uh, after Miami, he sustained that injury to his non throwing shoulder. But honestly, thankfully, there hasn't really been a, a huge drop off from QB one to our backup with Carson Macero. Um, talent wise, and uh, since his uh, since his injury, uh, our offense has probably been a little bit smoother and balanced. Um, as much as I like Tyler Johnson, um, we have kind of developed more of a balanced offense.
0: You know, I, I I tend to agree with you on that. But you know, while we while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, talk a little bit more about Bryce and Lissero. You know, I, I I use the words good, bad, and ugly, but. What do you what do you like? What do you don't like? What could be improved? You know, talk about talk about Bryson Lacero a little bit.
2: Yeah, Bryson stepped in and made a, a big impact. Um and and we knew that he was gonna be a good product coming out of high school. He went to ING Academy and um, you know, I, I didn't know if it was gonna be him coming in uh this year because we did have Dylan Hopkins another quarterback play a few games last year. He looked pretty decent like uh late in the season, but Bryson has stepped in and um I don't know about this, this, uh, this comparison, but against South Alabama, uh, one of the uh, commentators on the game said that uh, some of our players compared them to Tom Brady. And I know that's a uh, huge, huge, huge fill uh, shoes to, uh, to fill and, and, and compare, compare yourself to, but, uh, but uh, Bryson has really stepped in and he's, you know, taking good control of this offense. Um, you know, he, We had developed more of a short-to-medium range passing offense, um, but we still do have the deep threat offense with, uh, or deep deep threat passing attack with Myron Mitchell and Austin Watkins. But, um, you know, with Tyler, like I said, it was a deep, deep pass-oriented offense. With this new passing style, we're able to keep the defense guessing whether it will be a pass or a run. Um, Bryson, I think, does need to learn a little bit more about, you know, when it comes to threading the needle, he has done pretty well. He has developed good, a good zip on his passes and, um, you know, hit the receivers in their hands and, you know, he's, he's found them really well, but there has been times where he has, you know, hasn't led the receiver as well as he needed to, um, you know, either, either overthrowing it or underthrowing. He has, you know, he's got to work on that, but he's got plenty of time to grow. Um, but, uh, you know, from where I thought he would be, he he's he's ahead. He's probably way ahead of where I thought he would be now. Um and he has looked good on our offense and I you know it has been a, a pleasure to see him step in and you know we haven't had a drop off.
3: Now Will you're gonna get me ranting on the uh espn commentators because uh look <laughs> I like Lucero. I think he can play. I love that he's young and he's stepping in and playing big minutes, but my God, Titty Brandon oh, yeah. so that's a whole nother
2: I, uh, I, uh, these I, guys,
3: I, I, you gotta admit, these guys <laughs> have been terrible. We've, you know, Sunbelt's gotten a lot of, a lot of pub early in the season with all the COVID shakeup and everything. And we really never pay attention to all that kind of stuff. But when it's day, you know, week in, week out, and it's national, like, Dolik Jr. is brutal, brutal. He's sitting there, I think it was the Arkansas State and Georgia State game. And in the third quarter, it was 42 42. And they, they said, <laughs> this is the most Sunbelt points ever scored in a game. Yeah. And it wasn't and even they close. Were by like forty points. It's just they're, they're so bad, man. And the prep yeah, that I they do serious, is but embarrassing. I like, I,
2: yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, forty two, forty two is, is the highest. I was like, I find that hard to believe. But yeah,
0: the 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 most points scored in the game I think is 116-126, something like that. It's just embarrassing
3: wow. prep that they do and it's I'm sick of it really but anyway so I like Lucero that's that's not the point but uh no man <laughs> you, you mentioned the running back room and uh I always like to talk to our guests about the running back room because we have a pretty good one here so uh we all know about Spencer Brown but maybe talk about some of the guys that uh, that are behind him that that make an impact for your offense Yeah um you
2: know having a having a guy like Spencer has been a huge blessing for this team um You know, when when he started at UAB, he was more of a grind it out, you know, pound the rock running back. But uh, in the last two seasons, he lost a ton of weight. And now he has the benefit of like a bruising rushing style, but he also has the speed now. Um, And, uh, you know, I'll I'll tell you listeners, you know, if if Spencer comes off the field, you know, don't rejoice just yet. Because, you know, our our running backs, you know, we are very deep. Um, We have a new guy to step in this year. He's a a freshman. just by looking at him, you would think that he's a, a small defensive lineman or a linebacker. But uh, his name is Dwayne McBride. He's number uh, 22, I believe, and uh, he stepped in a, in the South Alabama game. And he's just just running guys over, and uh, he's got. He doesn't have the the speed that you see some from some of our other running backs, but uh, he's able to keep his feet moving, and he just he just bulldozes guys. And last week. He had a 71-yard uh, touchdown run against uh, Western Kentucky, and um, you yeah, know, so he's he's somebody to look out for. Um, we also have Jermaine Brown, who is a very quick, shifty running back. That um, we, we you'll see him kind of in a maybe third and six type situation. You know, where you you, you might need somebody to slip out of the out of the backfield, or um, maybe keep keep the defense napping or, or catch the defense napping if they're looking for a pass. Um, hand it off to him, and he's able to catch those six yards really quick. Um, and then we also have a guy named Lucius Stanley, who's um, kind of a, a best of both worlds. He's you know he's tall, he's he's big, he's physical, and he's got some speed to him. So you know our running game is is very deep, um, and uh, there's really no drop off. From you know if, if one of our running backs running backs comes off the field, um, our next guy going to you know I really you know in the past I've I've been curious about like oh man if our Starter comes off the field. I've really got to, you know, worry that our, our running back two is going to, you know, mess around or he's not going to, you know, he's not going to know what he's doing. That's not the case with these guys this year. We've got a very talented, deep running back court. And, uh, you know, I feel like we, you know, there's really no drop off from, you know, running back one to two or three.
0: You know, Will, I'm sitting here and you're you're describing your running back room and you're talking a little bit about each guy and the, their, their play style. And I'm sitting here as you name a guy, yeah, that's basically, you know, Elijah Mitchell, that's Trey Regis, that's Chris Smith. Yeah. You know, it, it. it's insane how comparable our two running back rooms are. But, you know, one thing I want to talk about is you brought up Myron Mitchell and Austin Watkins. You know, obviously, like you just talked about, you guys have a great run game, but I would still venture to say that you guys are a pass-first offense.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, out, outside of Watkins and Mitchell, is there a receiver that the Louisiana fan base – needs to know the name of before Friday night?
2: Uh, I would say Hayden Pittman. Hayden is our uh, starting tight end. Um, he and Garrett Prince, um both are very good tight ends for us. Um, Hayden has kind of stepped in, in the past couple of games. Um, Garrett has, has had an injury. I'm not quite sure what it was. Uh, I'm still looking to get confirmation on what his deal was. I don't, I don't believe he played last week. But Hayden is a uh, is a you know, just by looking at him, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that he's one of your prototypical uh, tight ends. Um, with, you know, he does lack some size, you know, at, you know, in regards to a blocking tight end. But um, he gets those necessary blocks sometimes, and sometimes he's able to shed those blocks. And uh, he is, you know, he's got great hands, great soft hands, and he's able to, um, with the speed that he has, he's able to get those, you know, if we're in a third and eight, third and nine situation, he's able to get those first downs. And uh, you know we we do like to run a lot of um, you know now with Lucera with we do like to run a lot of short or medium range passes and that's kind of Hayden Hayden Pittman's bread and butter right there. Garrett um, Prince I, I can't really leave him out you know leave him out of the situation because he's already had four touchdown receptions this year and um, you know <laughs> similar to our other court, uh, our other units that i mentioned we really don't have a drop off. Um, from tight end one to tight end two, um, Prince is, is another great receiving um, tight end. He does have the a little bit more size than Hayden does, so um, I would say watch out for those two guys. But um, Austin and uh, Myron are are, are are you know far and ahead. Our uh, our top two wide receivers or are, you know you know pass catchers pass catchers in general. Um, and Austin kind of has the physical aspect along with the speed. Um, and he's got his size, but Myron is uh, Myron is our speed guy. He uh, he'll he'll burn you, and uh, he's got great hands too. And you know some of his pass catches from last year are uh, NFL NFL level. I'm you know I know that's probably you know I, I'm biased, but <laughs> but uh, both of them have great hands, and uh, they are our top two receivers, no doubt. But Prince and uh, Pittman are both. Um, two guys
3: you should watch out for as well. Sounds good, man. Look, I'm a defensive guy, so I want to switch to the other side of the ball. I know you guys are strong in the linebacking core. Um, I am myself a little concerned about that for our running game. But what if I had to pinpoint a, p- a position matchup uh, for your defense versus our offense, what are you most looking forward to seeing? Maybe it's a line battle. Maybe it's, you did like you said, you did mention that uh, your secondary was strong and deep. Uh, what intrigues you about that particular matchup this Friday?
2: Um, you know, I will say that I, you know, it, it does come down to our linebackers. Um, our linebackers at times have, um, you know, they have had to bail out our our, our defensive line. Not to say our defensive line is bad, but you know, uh, you know, what, they have been able to catch those running backs once they get to the second level. But um, you know we're gonna have to get you guys in third and long situations, which is a tall order. Um, but you know, our we are very deep at linebacker. Um, Noah Wilder, Chris ball, um, among others. You know, Wilder adds the pass rushing threat, which is you know he's you know if you looked at him, you might think that he was a, a wide receiver um, or a thick wide receiver, maybe a small tight end. But he he's very fast off the ball. Um, you know and he, he's he got a great, you know, field vision, and Noah Wilder adds the, you know, the, in the physical aspect, but uh, uh, our running defense is going to have to step up, because I know you guys are deep with um, Trevor Regas and Elijah Mitchell, and, and, you know, Levi Lewis is, you know, a special quarterback can canceling the ball and also has the legs to take off, so, you know, we have faced mobile quarterbacks this year, and um, we have done a fairly good job of containing them, but... You know, we're going to have to get you guys um, in the third-and-one situation, like I did say. And um, it's going to come down, I think, to our uh, our defensive line, but our linebackers, um, you know, holding their own and getting you guys in third-and-one situations. And then our 2nd going to have to clean it up. Well, I mean, you guys
3: kicked some ass last week. You know, four takeaways, five sacks, 250 total yards to an offense. It's not great, but, I mean, they're capable. So yeah. when you watch you guys on film uh, – Fast and fly around, and to me, you know, that's sometimes high reward, you know, feast, famine type of defense, but it seems to be working for the Blazers, so you have a lot of talent on defense. Uh, is there a name on defense that maybe we should be aware of that we may not?
2: Um, You know, I mentioned Chris Moll, and I mentioned Noah Wilder. Um, uh, from our defensive line perspective, uh, Alex Wright is a very talented defensive end that we have. Um, he's a great pass rusher. Um, he was one of the top conference USA put like defensive lineman last year. And, uh, he was just a freshman. So he's only a sophomore this year. And, um, he's got a, you know, a, a tremendous amount of upside going forward. Uh, he's somebody I'd watch out for, um, from the secondary. I would definitely say, uh, Bronte Harris. He's our, uh, He's one of our corners. He is, a. Uh, he came back from a really bad injury last year, but he's coming back this year. He had an uh, interception last week, um, a great one handed, bobbling interception. But, uh, we've got, you know, Bronte Harris. He's probably our best corner, um, along with CD Daniels and TD Marshall. Um, but, you know, those guys are, you know, we're, we're really talented at our secondary position. Those are some guys I'd look out for. Um, Outside of that, you know, defensively, uh, those are our top guys, um, and they do a great job of, you know, w- you know, you mentioned, you know, we, we fly to the ball and stuff. Are you know, w- sometimes we don't. We we'll hold off on the blitz and everything, but you know, it, those those downs where you might not expect a blitz is some, is some, you know, is one where we might send. You know, last week we had Bronte Harris. I believe it was in like a second and eight situation or something, but. It comes right off the edge and West Kentucky quarterback didn't even see him uh until he was about a foot away from him. So, you know, it you know, we're 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 not afraid to send the blitz, but um, you know, I'd like it if we pressured a little bit more. Um, you know, just to keep the defense the offense, you know, guessing on what we were gonna be sending. But uh, you know, it has been uh it's been interesting to see our our defensive development this year.
0: Will, you know, Kind of, we'll kind of start wrapping up the interview here. Uh, you know, obviously the game is going to be at Legion Field in Birmingham Friday night. You know, from a obviously we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the pandemic that we're we're currently dealing with in you know our daily lives and, and even in the sports world. You know, what what kind of restrictions do you guys have in the state of Alabama? You know, how how many fans are you guys allowing in Legion Field? You know, kinda kinda talk about what if we have fans traveling to Birmingham, what can they expect?
2: Yeah, we um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's been you know, being in Legion Field is is kind of a is kind of a blessing honestly this year because uh we do have the benefit of being able to spread everybody out. Um, you know, our, our stadium's seventy thousand, so there's plenty of room for everybody to spread out. Um, you know, we, we have done a, a good job of um, I'm spreading everybody out on the, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's, you know, it's a, it's a bowl stadium. It's not two sided or it's not a horseshoe or anything like that. Um, but we do block off the ends. Our, our band does sit in the uh, South end zone. So, but everybody's spread out really well. Um, they do ask that you wear a mask uh, in the stadium unless you're, unless you're eating, you know, of course that's, you know, if you go to any restaurants or anything, that's the same thing. But um, you know, you know, we're we're doing a great job. You know, our school is known for our medical, you know, medical side and everything. So we do take this very seriously. Um, you know, and it's it, you know, we we have I will say we have done a very good job of, um, you know, being cautiously aware of you know the COVID nineteen situation, and uh, we we haven't had a restriction on the amount of fans, not that I know of, um, and I I wouldn't imagine I I would see us doing that because. Uh, our stadium is so big that you could honestly probably sit, you know, I- even in your groups, you could probably sit 10 to 15 feet apart from, you know, your 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 next person and you would be, you know, we probably wouldn't even be full of the stadium. Our stadium is just, it's it's massive. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I do sit on the away side, I guess, as some of our UAV fans, you know, do call it. Um and you know we have had some good showings from um, away crowds, so you know bring it on like like you know we love having uh, more fans there um you know, even if you're you know an away team'll we, we'll, we'll gladly have you we'll um, you know you know maybe not this year we, you know normally we, we might invite you to the tailgate and everything, but uh you know no tailgating at, at the stadium this year, sadly. um it's more of like a, you just come on in, go to your seat, there's concession stands open um but uh you know it, we we've done a very good job of uh handling the protocols and uh handling the covid situation so
0: yeah th- there's no doubt about that man you know the the spread right now according to the um according to ESPN UAB is a one point favorite which I mean at this point it's really a, a yeah. pick pick who you want kind of game um, yeah you know what? What are you expecting out of this football game between two very talented teams? And you know if you can if you can give a score prediction.
2: Um. You know. It's, <laughs> you know. It's it's it's, it's going to come down to. Um, I think it's going to come down to the rushing game from from both sides. Um, I know you guys have. You know not to not to send a bar or like or like dab you a little bit, but. You know the re- Like you guys have struggled a little bit with the rush defense, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to pass on Friday night, I believe, because it's supposed to be raining. Um, we're projected to have like a fifty percent chance of rain at least, uh, and that number has grown over the past couple of days. So, you know, the running game is gonna be a big impact. But like you said, we're both very talented, both sides. So uh, it's gonna be a fun matchup. Um, you know outside of that, uh, you know you know, we're gonna have to get you guys in passing situations, uncomfortable passing situations, which, which we're capable of doing, but um I'm you know, I'm not uh I'm not comfortable in this game at all. Like, you know, I have been this is the one game that I circled since the start of the year that I've been scared of losing our home game uh, home win streak. So uh I uh you know, I'm looking forward to it. But um I pull out a little bit of Legion Field magic and uh I uh I think it's gonna be a tight game. But I my prediction right now would be UAB twenty seven uh you know Louisiana twenty four. So uh, I it's, it's gonna be a close game. Um and it could be you know, it's not gonna be a blowout I believe on either side. I say that and uh watch it'll come back to bite me but uh I think it's gonna be a close game and I'm really looking forward to it. But I think we do pull out the edge um, but like you said, it is a toss-up at
0: this point. Well, you know, man, I wouldn't expect you to say anything differently. I mean, what what <laughs> what, what fan podcast is going to go on the opposing team's podcast and say, oh, we're going to lose Friday night? <laughs> like, I, I, oh, wouldn't, be,
2: I wouldn't expect you to be, say anything differently. <laughs> you'd be surprised. Some Conference USA uh, podcast in, the, in, the, in our league, we, uh, we're not afraid to admit when we're going to lose. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a good game. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we do – Comparison wise, I think our teams are very, very evenly matched. Um, both talented quarterbacks, very deep running game. Um, you know, defense. We got some studs on both sides of the ball. I think it's gonna be a great
0: game. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at the weather report according to the Weather Channel for Birmingham Friday night at seven o'clock. Looking at seventy-two degrees, cloudy with a twenty percent chance
2: of rain. Okay, so. It has so what I saw, what I kept seeing, was like in the forty or fifty percent chance of rain. So you see that it, it, it,
0: it it's looking like it's going to rain in the afternoon, about noon. It's looking at about fifty percent, but it's looking like it should be out of there by kickoff Friday night.
2: Well, to be honest with man, I've got. I'll, I'll tell you all a quick story, and then I'll let you go. But we, uh, <laughs> I, I was stranded. Uh, well, I, I chose to be stranded last year at our game against Rice, uh, and there was multiple thunderstorms delays. Uh I didn't end up leaving Legion Field until after midnight. So uh rain or shine, I'll be out there. But uh, you know, it I, I hope it doesn't rain because I know that just takes away from, you know, the game plan a little bit and I, I want this game to be as evenly matched as possible. No injuries, no COVID, none of that. I, I just want us to, you know, be able to, you know, strap in and, you know, let's let's play ball and let's let's have an evenly matched game. I, I really hope for that. No doubt about it, man. Before you go, tell tell our listeners
0: where they can find your podcast and where they can find you guys on social media.
2: Yeah, um, my uh, my podcast is on social media. It's, uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and now Instagram. Uh, if you look up uh, at Dragons Den E S E L, that's Dragons Den E S E L. That's ever faithful, ever loyal. That's part of our um, you know, our fight song and everything. But yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on those. Those pages, and um, I've got a, a a WordPress blog site that I'm, you know, just kind of updating every now and then with, um, you know, every guest that I've had on. And uh, you can find me on uh, all the major streaming platforms if you want to listen to some of my episodes. I've got another one coming up this week, so um, yeah, check me out. It's 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 been so it's been fun so far.
0: Absolutely, man. Will, we appreciate your time, uh, and we look forward to a uh, to a great contest Friday night. Thanks a lot, Will. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, guys. There he goes, Will Harris of Dragon's Den Podcast in Birmingham. Cajun Nation, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will wrap up. You know, we'll we'll break down the interview, and we will give you some last-minute information before this Friday night game with the Blazers. Stay
1: tuned, Rage and Review. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and review You trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenwider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort style family getaway with escape reality you can focus on the fun and let them do the work perhaps you're looking to attend a raging cajun's road game no problem escape reality can help just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801 PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store, the range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what we- Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com.
0: back to Rage Interview, Matt Miguez here, Josh Jagno sitting across from me. We were just joined by Will Harris of the Dragon's Den podcast, the UAB fan podcast in Birmingham to preview Friday night's game with the Blazers 7 o'clock kickoff on the CBS Sports Network. You know, Josh, let, let's talk about that interview. Talk about what you, uh, how, how do you feel about UAB now that we've gotten an insider's opinion?
3: Well, the interview was good. I always like to bring on people that will educate us on certain things. Uh, we learned. I personally learned some things about their program that I don't or didn't previously know. Um, we don't really have a huge history. We, in fact, Friday is going to be the seventh meeting all time. So I haven't really play, paid a ton of attention to UAB. And, and
0: what's the what's the matchup record?
3: Four 2 UAB. Okay, and we've never beaten them there. So that's
0: something. Well, apparently, it's hard to it's hard to for win. anybody. Yeah. Over at Legion Field.
3: Right, right. right. So, uh, no, it was good to have somebody on that could educate us on a few things. And uh, it, it, the insight on how it all went down, um, I like that. I like those kinds of things. I like the stories behind the games, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: you yeah, know, so I thought Will was good. I, I enjoyed the interview. Like you said, you know, he provided a lot of insight. I learned a lot of things about their program that I didn't previously know. Uh, I'm surprised at how evenly matched we seem to be. Yeah. I mean, it's two good teams. This is this is gonna be a down to the wire type of football game. UAB is receiving votes for the top twenty-five.
3: Yeah. We're uh, we're, we're receiving more, but the point is, is that uh this is not an ocean between just because it's a conference USA game, this is a conference winner. In fact, UAB has more wins in conference USA than anyone in the last three years. Think about that. So they're they're you know, CUSA tends to be the kind of conference of the haves and the have nots. You have really good teams, a couple of really good teams, and you have really, uh, some bums. And uh, they're on the upper echelon of that league. So, uh, in fact, another funny game note is that this would be the first KUSA win for Billy Napier
0: if we could get it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that.
3: Yeah. So, I, look, there's a lot of things that are would be first in the program under Billy Napier on uh, on Friday. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so I'm, good. I'm looking forward to getting into it, but uh, – As just specific to UAB, you know, this is a little bit of a a learning
0: day and a learning week, game week. Yeah, you know, before we get into, you know, a little bit of a deeper breakdown of this game, I want to go back to the week before and some about football, kind of go over the scores from last week and then do a quick preview of the games coming up this week. For sure. And, uh, you know, obviously we can start with Coastal defeating Louisiana 30-27 to last Wednesday. The very next night on Thursday, Georgia State and Arkansas State was a shootout. Yeah, Arkansas State ended up walking away fifty-nine to fifty-two. However,
3: and like we said, look—if you thought Georgia State was some game and we was some, walk,
0: right. uh, that we slept walking right, you're, you're, you're wrong.
3: Uh, they have proven that they're a quality
0: football team, and Quad Brown can play. Yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal quarterback. And you know, the next day, Arkansas State Blake Anderson fired defense coordinator David Duggan as well as the defensive passing game coordinator. Um, you know, that was their second straight game giving up 52 points. Ruthless. Just axed them right there. Second straight game giving up 52. And then on Saturday, South Alabama, Texas State. You know, that was a game of bad and okay.
3: I don't think Texas State's bad. Right. I, I no, think no. They don't know how to
0: win. South Alabama's bad. South I think South they're, Alabama's they're, not good. they're the bad. Yeah. Texas State's better than their record
3: indicates. 100%. They had SMU beat.
0: And where's SMU now? Like, they had Boston 22. College
3: beat. They had a Boston College beat. They've given games away. Absolutely. They couldn't close the door. I, I think, now look, I do think that they need more help two and three deep, but I think that their coach is still learning how to be a coach. Correct. And I think that their players are still learning how to win. Uh, they should be three and one,
0: two and two on the season. How about Troy nearly giving it away? Ugh. They had to kick a 47 yard field goal to escape Eastern Kentucky. You know, Troy looked like a behemoth against middle
3: in week one for them. And since then, it has not been pretty. No. So no. I don't know what to make of them. I thought I, I think Chip Lindsey's I, a good I coach. To, I hate I hate to sound cocky,
0: but uh Troy better be thankful they're not playing us this year. Oh my
3: God. I I think Chip Lindsey's a good coach, but my God, you know, you thoroughly dominate a, a pretty solid G five program in Middle who's got a good coach, been there for here forever. And then you just I don't know yeah. if the players quit on them. Did they lose players to COVID? Like, I don't right. know all the details, but they have not looked good.
0: And then Georgia Southern, obviously this was expected. UMass's, you know, they're. I, I'm surprised they even still have a football program. Uh, Georgia Southern defeated UMass 41 to nothing. Yikes. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured that that was how that game was going to go. Um, I always love actually conference wins. That was actually UMass's first game of the season. Mm. Um. So now we're get, we'll get into week eight, starting with tomorrow night, Arkansas State and App State in Boone, North Carolina. App State is a 12.5-point favorite over Man, the Red Wolves. That number seems absurd. Yeah, that's high. That's high. I think Arkansas State wins the game. I think it's an upset alert for App State. It feels like a touchdown game one way or the other. Yeah, that, that's going to be an upset alert for sure. Yikes. Friday, Louisiana and UAB in Birmingham. Like we said, UAB is a one-point Favorite in that game, so essentially, Cajuns minus two.
3: Yeah, because you get you,
0: you get three points for home field advantage.
3: That's one way to look at it. I I am not surprised at all by that line. I think it's yeah, pretty that accurate. Dead even. Take your pick. The public thinks that uh, UAB is going to win the game, so keep that in mind. But if you've been tailing us at all and listening to our breakdowns of these games, your boy over here is four and zero against the spread. So, but having said that, uh, I think I'm taking the Cajuns, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I I think so, too. I think think you're going to have a pissed-off group, and they're going to scratch out a way to – they're going to find a way to win. Good teams find a way to do it. I think we'll show up and play our best game of the season. Yeah, no, for sure. Saturday morning, 11 a.m. on ESPNU, number 25, Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern. Coastal Carolina currently a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Eagles. At home? It is – That's a very important – It is in Conway. Coming off of a huge it is, win, it is on the teal. You know that Sun Belt curse—that that, that yeah. one week of being ranked. It's like, yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch. I like Coastal though. Three o'clock: Georgia State and Troy on ESPNU. Essentially, one right after the other yeah. on the U. Yeah. Troy is currently a two and a half point favorite. Really? I don't know, playing, man. I, I playing like, playing at home. I like Georgia State to win. I I, I think that they're a better team than people think. 6 o'clock on the ESPN Plus, 0-5, UL Monroe will be in Mobile to play South Alabama. Two most hapless teams in the league. South Alabama, a 15-point favorite. Ugh. That's, that tells you um, what people think of ULM. I'm taking... The points. I'm taking the Jags to cover. Oh, man, I, I think I... I don't know. I don't Desmond, care enough. Desmond Trotter's back. Desmond Trotter's healthy. Oof, man! Their offense is on a different level when he's under center. I hate breaking down two bad teams. I, I like. I don't even have an opinion because I just don't care. South rolls. If. South rolls, and then the nightcap, nine fifteen p.m. on ESPN. Texas State, sitting at one and five currently, will be in Provo, Utah, to take on number twelve BYU. God. BYU is a twenty-nine point favorite. Oh, I'm taking the twenty-nine. Yeah. Give me the
3: points. Have you have Tech you watched State. BYU? They're all, they're the best G five team in the country. Zach Wilson yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. That kid's freaky. I think BYU's the best G five team in the country.
0: That kid's freaky. BYU
2: G five. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: They're an independent. They're not. No. They're not a P five. Well, they're they're on a they're in a. You see the way I look at it, you got P five, G five, Indies. Fair enough. They're they're in a different branch. They're a legitimate top ten team in the country. Oh, absolutely, right now. absolutely, one hundred percent. Great football for the Sun Belt this weekend. Well, if Texas State could pull that one off. <sighs> hey, I'm just telling you, they had they did they had it to Boston SMU
3: College. Beat. They had SMU beat, and SMU's like what nineteen or twenty right now.
0: Yeah, somewhere up there. You know, you you said we're we're talking about the the game off the air. You said you had some quote staggering game notes. Staggering. To discuss, so why, why don't we get into that now?
3: Well, you know, we mentioned, we, we talk a lot about their offense because, you know, for the fans, people pay attention to points and things like that. But you guys, we're playing a defense that they put pressure on the quarterback, the opposing quarterback. They do things that are going to disrupt our offense. Let me give you a few quick ones. They are tied for the, they're t T-9 in the country for sacks. Wow. In the entire NCAA, 9 T-9. They are number 10 on third-down conversion defense, giving up less than a third of third-down conversion attempts. That is what mostly concerns me because I would say conversely, if you look at our offense on third-down, we have been average at best, uh, probably less than that. I mean, what are we we're converting, what, 44%? Matt, is it less a, than that? I'm a look. I'm going to look. I I would guess between 40 and 44%. Third down conversion? Yes. As a team? Offensively for us.
0: Let's see. As a team, our third down conversion percentage.
3: Yikes. Worse
0: than that? 37.5.
3: See, 37.5 is really bad. Uh, For our level of play and and what we have talent-wise on offense,
0: that is really bad. We're scoring 28 points a game.
3: So look, you're going, you're taking an offense that struggles on third down and you're going against a defense that excels on third down. That is terrifying. But they're number 10 nationally in that category. They're T17 in the country for total defense. Overall defense, the 17th best defense in the country. I mean, folks, this is this is this is real defense that we're going up against, and uh, let's be honest, the offense has not been do up we, to par. Do we
0: do we have a comparison as to where Louisiana is in that regard? Well, I know that the Cajuns are
3: twenty three; uh, they're ranked twenty third in the country scoring defense, which is important. Don't get me wrong. And that's
0: and that was total defense. You said total defense for UAV, Yes. Okay, I must. I have it pulled up. I'm going to see where Louisiana is while we while we continue this conversation. So,
3: just to point out, you know, there's a lot of attention paid to the offense, and that's. It's do I mean look, they I got I got some more offensive stats that I can throw at you in a second, but UAV defense plays real defense. And like I mentioned to Will, four takeaways, five sacks, and two hundred and fifty total yards against Western, a team that beat them last year. Hey, I I mean, it came out to play. We are thirty-fifth
0: in total defense.
3: And look, that's nothing to to stick a stick at. I mean, that's good. That's good, but again, just highlighting UAB plays real defense. Now, I mentioned the offensive game quick hits, okay? The number one NCAA active leading rusher is Spencer Brown. Travis Etienne. Oh. Jennings' yeah. his very own. Yeah. Number two, Spencer, Spencer Brown. Brown UAB. And also, yeah. and also to note, Trey Regis. Number five. Wow. And when I saw that, I wanted to immediately launch into another Trey Regis rant. You know the number five active leading rusher in the country. And this dude's getting six, seven, eight handoffs a game.
0: It's just you know ridiculous. An interesting interesting thing that I like to talk about is is something that I feel is important is passing efficiency for for your quarterback. Mm -hmm. So Levi Lewis comes in at forty nine. Forty eight, you have Zach Thomas. At forty six you have Bryson Lacero. Wow. A baby. One spot above him at number 45, Brock Purdy. Interesting. From Iowa State. But here's, and and this is is just a jab at our previous (laughs) head coaching staff. Number 41, which again, not much higher than where Levi or anybody else is, but still, Stetson Bennett.
3: Oh, man, Stetson. If anybody doesn't know the story of Stetson Bennett, he was committed to come here uh, on a walk on. He actually was in a gray shirt, and uh, he at the last minute actually flipped to Georgia because Kirby Smart came a calling.
0: Another another kid that came, a lot of people may not know this, had a workout here, at Louisiana. Mark Hudsbyth looked at him and said, "Hmm, I just don't see it." Yeah, he is the number four quarterback in the country in passing efficiency. Yeah.
3: Kyle Trask of Florida. Yeah. Now, a lot, is, a lot of that is Dan Mullen, but I, I hear your point. I hear your Just point. Just saying. I hear your point. I, you know, there's something to be said about good coaching being able to win with pretty much anything, and I think that's a Kyle Trask thing. But anyway, I don't want to get into Kyle Trask. He's Yeah, that, he, that, that's irrelevant. He, he could have been a raging Cajun, but, you know, it is what it is. We have what we have. Uh, but, but anyway, you know, when you start looking at the numbers for the matchup, it is intriguing. It's intriguing. Now, I will say this. I do like where the game falls for the Cajuns because UAB just beat a team that beat them last year in Western, and they have Louisiana Tech next week. So I'm not going to call this a trap game. Obviously, they've circled the game, and it's an important game. Their their own media is calling it the most important game at Legion Field since the reboot, uh, like I mentioned at the top. So it's not like some sort of a trap game, but you know, all things considered, it's not a conference game, and they have two major conference games sandwiched between. So that I think that kind of helps us on a Friday night. It's a little bit different. Uh, we've had some time to prep. We haven't played since last Wednesday. Um, I think that we're upset. I think our kids are mad. I think that there's so much to correct that they've probably been put through the ringer this week. Uh, and if you listen to Billy talk on any of the interviews he's done nationally, locally, he has an extra little smirk on his face when he talks.
0: Yeah, I can I, don't like I can that. feel it. I don't
3: I, like that. I do. It makes me feel like he's happy that he gets to coach the shit out of these kids.
0: When you're winning, it's hard to continue to get through to these guys. When you're losing, yeah, but, and they have to pay attention. But 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 at the same time, and I get that regard. But at the same time, you know that that smirk, it's cockiness. Oh, I don't I don't hear that at all. I don't hear it I, like that. I hear it as a
3: guy that likes to prep and he likes to prepare. Or he likes likes the process of improving and he likes to prepare.
0: Interesting stat that I am looking at, uh, last updated yesterday, rushing yards in the country. Spencer Brown, UAB, number 10. Doesn't surprise me. 472 yards on the year. Other running backs that UL has played this year, Brees Hall at Iowa State, currently sits number 3 in the country. Nice. Uh, leading rusher is Sincere McCormick from UTSA. Has 700 yards already on the year.
3: Wow, that's incredible.
0: 700 yards. Granted, he's ran the ball over 100 times. But,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: you know, that that's still, I'm trying to see where our highest ranked running back is on this list. Not in the top 50. Yikes.
3: Well, I think the more pertinent thing would be team rushing yards. And I'd probably say we're top 20 in that. I would hope.
0: Let's see. I'm going to look it up. But, While we keep talking, yeah. The, the thing about it is, is
3: we have still, I, I, think, not played a complete football game. Our, our offense has certainly not lived up to the hype, uh, and that, that's from top down. That's game plan, quarterback, twenty eighth in team rushing. So you know, somewhere around there. UAB is twenty seventh. There you go, evenly matched. But they also have a
0: similar um, approach that we do. Coastal Carolina number twenty. App State number five, Georgia Southern number four. Mm-hmm. Air Force, as always, is the, is the leading yeah. rushing offense. It's
3: always either Air Force, Navy, or Army.
0: Army's third. Yeah, and Navy just for shits and giggles. Navy is number twenty-four.
3: Yeah, so they're always up there. They run that veer and wishbone and all that stuff.
0: But uh, look, again, it, it highlights the fact
3: that we're very similar in what we do. They divvy up the carries the way we do. Uh, they attack the long. They take they they take shots down the field uh, in odd times. Um, I say that because I hate taking shots on first and ten, and Billy loves it. Um, the only time I'm taking shots is in like second and two, second and four situations. But I'm not a coach, so I I don't know. Anyway, I, I think our offenses are similar. I think our talent is very similar. Agreed. I think that if it does rain on Friday. That plays in our favor. I think it benefits us. Yep, that plays in our favor. And and I still think that our defense is the better defense. Absolutely. I think we've played better offenses so far.
0: I mean, think about it. Yes, our defense did not play well against Coastal Carolina. But like you mentioned earlier, we did not have Farad Gardner. Yes. Lorenzo McCaskill missed a quarter and a half. Yes. And And then
3: we don't know how healthy he was when he got back on the field. Right.
0: I don't know. I I think this is the game where we as a – we as a football team wake up and say, look, we we haven't been playing up to expectation at all at any in any game this year. If not now, when? And
3: I think we're going to find out what kind of football team we have on Friday, which is an exciting thing. Are we as good as we think we're, we are? We're about to go through a tough stretch. Are we as good as we think we are? Yep. Or have we been fortunate in
0: circumstances? circumstance? And, and, I, and I'm not talking a tough stretch as, as as far as, you know, playing good teams. I'm talking a tough stretch as in when do we get a break again? Yeah. Because after tonight, next Saturday, you go to Texas State. The next Saturday, Arkansas State comes here. The next Saturday, you're playing at home against South Al. The next Saturday, you've got home game against Central Arkansas. Well, there's your break, South Al. Oh. <laughs> well, I love, I love you know, three straight home games. I love that. For sure. Um, the 28th, we go to Monroe.
3: Hey, is South Al homecoming?
0: Uh, no, Arkansas State is. Okay.
3: See, that scares me. Arkansas State. I'm homecoming. always worried about the homecoming festivities and all the hoopla around everything. Arkansas State's homecoming. Uh, see, that's going to scare well,
0: me. Well, you know, with, with the pandemic, I don't think that festivities are going to be. It's not going to be the same. Right. It's not going to be. You're not going to have a homecoming parade Saturday morning. You're not going to. Right. So I, I don't know how much of a factor that's going to play this year.
3: Is that for sure they're not going to do the parade?
0: Um, I would. Only, I don't think they've announced that yet. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it, I guess I here's, here's, here's my thing. If the Los Angeles Lakers can't hold their championship parade, we shouldn't be holding a homecoming parade.
3: Well, California and Louisiana
0: politically couldn't be well, more different. Of, of course. But still, I, I still don't think it would be very smart to throw a bunch of people on the corner of Johnson and St. Mary and, you know. But. I hear you. I hear you. Um But, yeah, you know. We're going to so, find out how, we, how good we are on Friday. And then, you know, December 5th, App State. Going to be fun? Ending the season with App State. That could be good or bad. You could be banged up and tired or you could be on a roll. The last time App State was the last game on our schedule. Mark Hudspeth got fired.
3: 62 to 14. 63 to 14. 63-14. Oh man. We've come a long way.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we have. Before we go, I I wanna I wanna give a merchandise update. You know, we had we had posted that we were going to sell a LSU you know. Jab T. Jab T shirt. I don't know if that's still in the best interest of Rage and Review now. Um just because, you know, the second we post that shirt we get our ass handed to us. What happened? We lost.
3: Oh man, who cares about that? It's all we about lost. having fun. Fuck LSU A and M. But uh Of Yeah. Uh fuck those people. Uh you know. If y'all want the shirts, we'll get the shirts. Just yeah, tell I mean, us who want. But speaking of shirts, I want to uh, commend the uh, the program for uh, honoring DJ Looney on Friday. with a,
0: Oh, what? Oh,
3: my God. Really outstanding um, How gesture. awesome. And I don't know if you know, but DJ's from Birmingham. Birmingham yeah. and his entire his family, family will is going to be at the game. That's right. Because
0: UAB has something planned to honor him as well. Correct. Um, so so yeah. the
3: nameplates will all say Looney, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, what what a cool! I've never seen anything like that. So and the university
0: should turn around and auction the jerseys off and give the money to the Looney family.
3: What happy we would be happy to uh, to pay for one of those to hang in the lab Absolutely. 100%. And, and get some more money to the, the Looney family. So y'all 100%. be looking out for that. It's gonna be nice and really cool. That's a really cool gesture.
0: Rage and review, as always, can be found on every major podcasting platform. You guys can find us on social media at Rage and Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. YouTube, whatever it may be. And you can always go to the website, RageReviewPod.com. Send us questions, comments, concerns, You know, new show topics, merch ideas, whatever it may be. Tell us we suck. Uh, Friday, tag us in your Twitter post. Tell us what you're doing for the game. Whether you're going to Birmingham, having a house party at your house, whatever it may be. Let us, let us know what's going on Friday night. Also,
3: yes, and you guys know I like to cook on Fridays, so send me what you're cooking. We can talk about that. I'll send some stuff. If I end up not going to Birmingham, I'll definitely be making it stink. Always.
0: Rage and review. We'll be back Friday night after the UAB game with a quick reaction pod, and then we'll give you the recap into the weekend beginning of next week leading up to the game in San Marcos. All right, Cajun Nation, we're out.
3: Tell them all. Oh, we-